for your Bibles tonight to the book of Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Paul was a great missionary. If you really want to know the kind of the history of missions and what to do when missionaries arrive in a place, you study the book of Acts. It tells us what they did and what we still do today. I personally believe missions is winning people to Christ, planting a local church, and teaching the people there to do the same thing. Um, Paul had been doing that. In the first verse in chapter 18, he had just left a great city, Athens, and he had moved to a brand new place called Corinth. I told you, we were in one country, we were asked to pray about going to another country, and we did. And then I became pastor, and then I became forest director. And every time, every time we changed, I've gone into it screaming, kicking, fighting, saying, I'm not going to do that. But God has a sense of humor sometimes, and He'll put us in different places and different ministries. And so here was Paul moving to a new place, start a new ministry here. And in verse number 4 of chapter 18, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Well, that's what we do today. We go to a place, we open the Bible. Obviously, before that, you learn the language, you learn about those people, and you open God's Word and you share it with them. And Paul had done that, the last part of verse 5, and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And again, that's what we do. But when you do that, some people respond to it and other other people don't. Can I just part there an instance to say that's not our business, that's God's business? Not every person we witness to will get saved, but that doesn't take away our responsibility to be witnessing to them. But then you come down to verse number 8. And Christmas, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, now notice the simplicity and the beauty of this. Here's God's order. Hearing, believed, and were baptized. Now, some people get confused over that. It's not confusing at all. You hear the gospel. You're convicted by the Holy Spirit. You get saved. Then you're baptized. But verse 9, and here's where I'm headed, verses 9 and 10. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by vision. I'm going to pause again. Aren't you glad God still speaks? Now, how how does He speak to us? God speaks to us today mostly through His Word and the Holy Spirit supplying it. And the Lord spoke to Paul, and he said to him, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold out thy peace. And I'm going to speak for a few moments on this subject. Can, can we serve the Lord without being dominated by fear? Now notice, I, I, I was careful in the way I said that. I didn't say that we'd never be afraid. Because the, the, the honest truth is, every person here... Old or young, you've had things already in your life that make you afraid. That's normal. That's part of life. But we Christians do not have to live being dominated by fear. And I'm going to give my message away, but it's based on verse number 10. Aren't you glad? God not only said, Paul, don't be afraid. But then he told him why he didn't need to be afraid. And here's what God said. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. Can we serve the Lord without being dominated by fear? We live in a day of fear. Did you know a lot of people today, they're afraid to go out. They're afraid they may lose their job. They're afraid they're going to get sick. They're afraid 
and they live their lives totally dominated by it. I've got a good friend. He was a Marine Corps captain not so long ago. He was stationed in Iraq, and his job was to lead a team of officers to go out and inspect the outpost in Iraq. Well, this was a multi-branch uh, team, so there was Army, Navy, Air Force, and and Marines. Now, if you were in Chesapeake, Virginia, you'd have to have the Coast Guard. If I didn't, they'd get mad at me. But uh, his job was to go out with his team. And they had just put a, a brand new officer, an Army Major, was part of this team. Well, they went out to inspect one of the buildings there uh, in Iraq. And as they stood there, all of a sudden, a bullet hit right beside them. Well, they felt led to move over a few steps. And they moved over, and another bullet hit the block splinters went everywhere, and they kept moving around, finally ended up back on the other side of the house, thanking God that Iraqi snipers weren't too accurate. Well, that evening, they'd gotten back to their office in, in Baghdad, and military style, they'd just filled out all the reports. So when the reports were filled out, everyone had drifted away, except my friend Captain Mike Helton and this Army Major. <clears throat> and the Army Major looked at Brother Helton and said, Hey, Cap." Can I ask you a question? He said, we were standing out there today and those bullets were just hitting all around us. Were you ever afraid? Captain Helton said, sir, I'm a Marine. But I would lie if I said I'm never afraid. But he said, what I do want to tell you is this. If one of those bullets strikes me and I die, I know immediately I'd be in the presence of my Savior. The major said, are you, are you serious about that? Captain Helton said, I've never been more serious about anything in my life. I belong to Jesus Christ. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'll be with him when I die. And the major said, sir, would you tell me some more about that? And there in an office in Baghdad, Iraq, an army major fell on his knees and got saved. He said, you can do it anywhere. You can do it in Alaska, you can do it in Iraq, you can do it in Afghanistan, you can do it in the Congo, in the jungle, or in the desert of Senegal. Well, Paul had just arrived in this brand new location. Do you, do you understand that when you're going into something brand new, there are some fears? The pastor taking a new church, and he doesn't know about those people and about that area. And it can be a little unsettling and uh, missionary. See, missionaries... <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't even say things like this. Some of you might know this. Most of you don't. Missionaries lie. So, Brother Godfrey, what in the world are you talking about? We were doing a, a field uh, conference in Japan one year. And all of our missionaries came in from China and Japan, Philippines, and that whole part of the world. But Maranatha Baptist Church on Okinawa. Anybody ever been there? One of the greatest churches in the world. There were 500 people in full-time ministry that either got saved or surrendered in that church. Great place. And uh, we were having our field conference there. And so our missionaries came in. Some of them knew each other, but a lot hadn't. So they all come in, and they're greeting each other, and they're going around, and they're just beaming and smiling. How you doing, brother? Oh, we're great. Everything's wonderful. And they were just lying. Because I was their director, and I knew that wasn't true. One of them... Young family in China, her mother out in Oklahoma City, 52 years old, had a heart attack and died, and they're in China. 
another one. Had three boys. One of them worked with him in Japan. The other two in America. And the younger one, they didn't know he was diabetic and he was driving home at night. Went to sleep, driving his vehicle. Went off the side of the road and there were two ladies on bicycles, a mother and a 20-year-old daughter. And he hit both of them. And killed the 20-year-old and severely injured the mother. And it went on and on. We had a prayer meeting. I thought I knew how to pray for missionaries to that episode. I'm just saying missionaries, they come to your church and they get up here. And, and they, see, I can say this because I'm the old guy. They wouldn't dare say this. They come in here and they're excited about going to wherever God has called them. But I want you to think about it. It's scary for them. It's scary for them. They start out on deputation. They don't have any income. They don't really know Anything about it? I believe deputation is one of the best training for young missionaries possible. It matures them. It grows them up. It grows their faith. Missionaries start out and they wonder this. How are we going to eat? We don't have a lot of money coming in. We'll have money to buy groceries next month. And And then once they get their support raised and they go to the field, then the question changes. It's not how are we going to eat. It's what are we going to eat? We thought we ate weird stuff in Africa until we started going to the Far East. How many of you like Balut? I do. I love my beating all over the world. How many don't, you don't have any idea what a Balut is? All right, a Balut is a duck egg. The duck's been sitting on it about 18, 19 days. It's almost ready to hatch. And uh, it's one of those foods in the world that's delicious. If you like egg, you would like it, as long as you don't look at it. <laughs> And the missionaries, missionaries wonder. Uh, now, see, they won't tell you this. So, Brother Godfrey's going to tell you all some things tonight. They won't. They can't say or won't say. Can I leave my mom and daddy and go to the other side of the world for four or five years? Can I leave my home church? Uh, when I get there, how am I going to speak? <laughs> you, you all do know that ninety percent of the world doesn't speak English. Those of you military folk who travel, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in a place where you're so dumb that you can't walk in a bread store and say, I want a piece of bread? Sign language. I want that. Americans think if they talk loud enough, they'll understand it. <laughs> it doesn't help a bit in the world. And then I finally got a stick of bread in a French bread shop. And I was so dumb that I had to reach in my pocket and pull out some money and hold it out and let them take what they wanted. I had no way. I had no idea where how to count money. You see, missionaries don't tell you things like that. Get words confused. How many of you ever said the wrong word in a wrong... In, I know you have. <laughs> One of our dear friends, missionary Ron White, was in Japan for many years. He was studying Japanese, getting better at it, and one day... He, well, he, he could preach already if he read his sermon. Have you ever tried to read a sermon in a different language? Especially like Japanese. You know, Japanese, what they tell me, they said, Brother Godfrey, we read our Bibles, we agree with God. You Americans, you read yours. Anyway, he was trying to preach in Japanese without reading his notes. 
studied and worked all week long and got up to preach. And they said he did a pretty good job that day, except the main word he was trying to use is the word sumi, which means sin. But he never said sumi once, he said suma. And suma means wife or wise. And he said all the problems you folk are having are these wives. All the sickness, all the, all the uh, disruptions, every bad thing in the world is these wives. Chase these wives out of your life. Get rid of these wives and you'll have revival. <laughs> now, if you know anything about Japanese, they won't laugh at you. They're not going to do anything to make you feel bad. So they're sitting there dying, laughing inside, but they won't laugh outside, out loud. Now, so you say, Brother Godfrey, where are you heading at? Well, this is what I'm saying to you. It's not just true of missionaries. It's true of all of us. Uh, can God protect me? If I go to the desert, can He take care of me out there? If God moves me to the jungle, can you know people? Have you, can you believe y'all don't know me well? But can you believe anybody ever fuss at me? I've had a few do it. Brother Godfrey, how dare you take your wife and your little kids out in that jungle where there's crocodiles in the rivers and hippopotamus and snakes and all mosquitoes and all the... How dare, not a doctor for a hundred miles, how dare you do that? Weren't you afraid? Well, you know what I tell them? We turned all that over to God before we ever went to Africa. Can you trust God for your safety and your health? Can you trust God for your medical care? I had a... I had a root canal done on this bottom molar right here in Senegal with no medicine at all. My fellow missionary, Brother Ron Bragg, came to pick me up and I walked out of that dentist's office. He said I was white as a sheet. He said, Brother Godfrey, are you all right? I said, I just found out if I was still a Marine. You know, they didn't, teach, they didn't teach me about that at Tennessee. That was never brought up. Now, I'm just, I'm having a little fun doing it, but I'm, I'm headed for somewhere but simple. In fact, God, the, God gave the outline. I, I'm just going to repeat what God said here. Can we live today as Christians and live a life of joy and not be dominated by fear? Not be worried every day about, am I going to keep my job or lose it? Am I going to get sick or not get sick? What about my kids? Or You know, what's going to happen? Let me tell you why you don't need to be afraid. God gave it. Here's what he said. You don't need to be dominated by fear because I am with you. Now think about that. The great commission when Jesus told us to take the gospel into all the world in Matthew chapter 28. You know what he said? Lo, I am with thee always, even unto the end of the world. I love the way, uh, well, in Exodus chapter 3, you don't need to turn there. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11, but Exodus 3 is where Moses met God at the burning bush. You, you read that? And he's having this conversation with God. And God's saying, Moses, I know you fled Egypt, but I want you to go back there and deliver my people. And in verse number 11, and Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go? Lord, are you, are you sure you've got the right fellow here? I was 16 years old when I, when I surrendered to preach. I was from a broken home. I never knew my daddy. He walked out when I was... I had just had a baby sister just a year younger than I am. And my dad left and I never, was, never knew him, never was around him. Uh, I'm not telling you that. Feel sorry for me. I'm just saying 
I didn't grow up in a, in a good, stable Christian home. My grandparents reared me. When God called me to preach, I, had, I didn't want to preach. It never entered my mind. I mean, it was, it was shocking to me. But it, not only to me, it was shocking to other people. Years later, I married Linda. I was very young. We got married. And later on, her mother and father were in the church service the day I went forward and told people God called me to be a preacher. I was the runt. You know what that means. I was the smallest guy in my class. Everybody picked on me. Years later, I found out what her daddy said (laughs) that day that I surrendered to preach. He went home and told her, Mama, honey, that little fella never will make a preacher. Because nobody would have looked at me and said, there's somebody God can use. And Moses said, Lord, why me? Who am I that I should go? And let me, let me tell you God's answer. And God said, certainly I will go with thee. <laughs> Moses, don't be afraid. You're not going to go anywhere without my presence. Believer, are you, believer, are you listening to me tonight? If you're saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ... You never go anywhere or do anything alone. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the, uh, the fire, thou shalt not be burned. And then Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, you know what that verse says? I love it. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Can we just rest the night in this? You don't, you don't have to be a missionary to appreciate what I'm saying. You don't have to be dominated by fear because you have the presence of God if you're saved. Number two, not only do we have His presence, we have His protection. But And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. If you're, God said to Moses, Moses, you stay in this city. I'm going to be with you. No, nobody can shut you down if, I, if you're serving me. Hebrews 13, 6 says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I've already told you about Linda and the snake. We lived in, we lived in some of the wildest. Folk, I'm telling you this to let you know, I know the kind of wife I have. Most American ladies would never have lived with me uh, in the places we've lived and never complain about it and homeschool children and love the ladies and win people to Christ and do all of that. Back in 1990, has Dr. Sisk ever been here? Dr. Don Sisk was our general director at BMI for many years. He was a missionary to Japan, then our Far East director. Uh, he taught at West Coast Baptist College for a, time, a good long time. He's 88 years old. He's the only guy in the world I know that travels more than I do. And he's 88, preaches all the time. His wife went to heaven a few years back. But back in 1990, Dr. Sisk and Brother Ron Bragg, our African director, and a couple of preachers went with me on a trip out in the jungle where we lived. And the roads, and I know you folk here, you have to have special vehicles to get around in bad weather. Well, we didn't have the snow and cold. We had, we had jungle and uh, terrible roads and, and mountains. So the only way to get out there were these big old trucks left over from World War II, big troop carriers. And so we left the, the, the capital city to go 300 miles on Friday with this big truck. We had barrels of fuel, trunks on top of the barrels, suitcases on top of that, and then we're sitting on top of that. 
So the truck wasn't running right. We had to stop and work on it. And then we, it was Friday night. We're going up this mountain. Now, you have to picture this truck is loaded now with stuff. And we're sitting up there on top of it. Going up the mountain, the engine stopped running. The driver is in a panic trying to get it, get it cranked. And he's, he finally gets it going again. And when he does, now some of you may not understand this, but I know I'm in Alaska, so I think you will. He lets the clutch out. Now, you all know, you're going up a mountain, loaded down with stuff, let the clutch out. You know what's going to happen? Every rope on that thing broke. Everything slid back a couple of feet. Uh, trunks, suitcases, and people went everywhere. <laughs> and uh, I looked back and I thought, I just killed my director. Because I couldn't find Dr. Sisk anywhere. He's down there. Thankfully, it's sandy soil and he wasn't hurt. Well, then we're standing there looking at that truck thinking, we're going to wait till we get to a level spot before we get back on it and load all the stuff. So we're walking behind it and it's like 95 degrees, 90% humidity. We're lugging our, our trunks, our suitcases, walking behind it, following the truck, got up on top of the mountain, drove into a village. And about the time we drove into that village, just like that, we're surrounded by bandits with guns and machetes and clubs. And they just surrounded us. And Dr. Sis said, translate for me. And so I started to translate to what, who he thought was the chief bandit. And the bandit said, tell him to shut his mouth, I'll blow his brains out. And Dr. Sis, <laughs> Dr. Sis said he felt strangely led to comply. <laughs> Now, you say, Brother Captain, why in the world would you tell us stories like that? I'm telling you that story because it's obvious that I didn't die that night and Dr. Sis didn't die that night. Because we were where God wanted us. I'm just saying tonight, do you understand that when you do what God wants you to do, you don't have to fear? No man can put his hand upon you to harm you if you're doing what God wants you to do. And then there's one last thing, and I'll be finished here. And I love this part. God said, Paul, don't be afraid. Stay in this city. For I have much people in this city. You know when God calls a man to a church or an area, and God sends a missionary to an area, I believe the reason he does that is because God knows there's somebody there that will get saved if they get the gospel. And God said to Paul, you do what I tell you to, and there are a lot of people in this city who want to hear the gospel. This is what I call God's potential. I don't even know how to describe it really all I know is I told you about Anton Anderson and his wife Viola they went to the Congo when they never heard of Christ and won over 10,000 people Linda and I just a few weeks ago we were at Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville South Carolina anybody ever old enough to remember Dr. Harold Seitler and Oliver B. Green and those I'm sorry you guys you're not old enough anyway we went to a funeral down there. Missionary Jimmy Rose, our first missionary ever to go to Brazil. Great man of God. Well, there was another man lived there 50 years ago, plus in Greenville, South Carolina. <coughs> he was a pig farmer. Right across the road from Tabernacle Baptist Church, Russell Turner and his wife Bobby had a pig farm. And uh, God had called them to go to the Bahama Islands, to the Caribbean. And uh, they didn't have any support, though. They thought, we'll sell our pig farm and we'll go to the mission field. Back in those days, missionaries didn't raise a lot of money. They just went. So, uh, but they tried to sell the pig farm. Nobody seemed interested. 
So one day he called Bobby, that was his wife, said, Bobby, go get the deed for this land. He went in, the, she went where it was at, brought it out, put it on the table, and they signed the deed to their pig farm. And they walked across the road to Tabernacle Baptist Church and Dr. Harold Seitler, and they put it on his desk and gave him the property. We were just there a few weeks ago. If you walk right across the street, there's a paved road now, a, a major road, right across the road where that pig farm, farm was, is Tabernacle Children's Home that for many, many years has reached hundreds of children for Christ. Well, Russell Turner and his wife went to the mission field. They stayed 50 years on the field, and two years ago, Russell Turner died and went to heaven. He's on a little island called Cayman Brack, part of the Cayman Islands. They witnessed everybody down there. Brother Turner, of course, started a church, trained people. There was a big guy there. He's named Raymond. He's a big burly sailor, rough hands. He owned several ships that took supplies between the islands. And every time Russell Turner saw this man, Raymond, Raymond, did you get saved yet? Raymond, you need to be born again. Raymond, have you? but he never did. Well, Brother Turner went to heaven two years ago. That morning, because nobody knew it but his wife, this big sailor showed up at their front door. He knocked on the door. Mrs. Turner went out. And Raymond said to her, Miss Turner, would you help Pastor Turner come out on the front porch? I'd love just to shake his hand one more time. And she looked at him and she said, Raymond, the only way you'll ever shake Pastor Turner's hand is if you do it in heaven. And she took this big burly sailor in the house with her husband still lying dead in the bed, took him in the living room and went into Christ. See, folks, that's what it's all about. Do you know Holmes Taco? Oh, now, I keep saying I'm finished. I told you missionaries lie. <laughs> but I am, okay. I, I'm, I got one, one thing I just got to share with you. I wish I had written this, but a missionary couldn't write this. This was written by, used to be a little boy from Papua New Guinea. He's not a little boy now, he's an old man. And he wrote this when he was 12 years old. One of our missionaries way back 40 plus years ago, Raymond Sorrells, won him to Christ. Mrs. Sorrells won his wife when she was eight years old. Pastor is a great church in Port Moresby. And he, I got this from him. And this is just one page, and the title of it is Missionaries. Who are they? Well, a little 12-year-old boy gave a description of missionaries like this when he was asked. So this is Pastor Taco. Would you like a pastor like that? Pastor Taco, that's his name. Uh, he said, they're God's special agents for a special mission. How true it is. Their mission is called Mission Rescue the Perishing. Leaving the fort, they prepare to enter, enter enemy lines all over the world. Giving their location and strategy, they move without much logistical support. Delivered to die is just the same for them. They're equipped with the art of old-fashioned technology. In their hands is the world's most powerful weapons that can crash the enemy in the split of a second. I'm reading it just like he wrote it. English is not his first language. In their mouth is the life-saving message that can save the hopeless, the homeless, the baseless, and the lifeless. Putting hope, giving you home, setting base on the solid rock, and giving abundant life to mankind, wiping tears of sadness and loneliness, and putting joy in their hearts and smiles on their faces. Their feet are called beautiful with blisters and cuts 
and their hands have a special touch from heaven. Missionaries put their bodies and their families on the line, climbing the highest mountain, walking the widest river, crossing crocodile-infested swamps, driving on rugged roads unfit for motor vehicles that can shake and twist and rock you. They fly over breathtaking mountains that can make you nervous. Missionaries live on faith and live in isolation. On many occasions, they've been attacked and robbed and beaten and punched. But as the saying goes, they keep on keeping on and serve their master. They adapt to the weather. They speak the lingo. They eat the local menu. Time and time again, they face struggles and hardships, pressures and perils of life. Therefore, children are born and bred on a foreign land with a mixture of American and Melanesian custom. What a place to adapt in the two cultures. They live up to their motto. They are no fools to give what they cannot keep, to gain what they cannot lose. Missionaries are special indeed because of their special mission on frontline duties. We salute you all because you are our heroes. Your coming was our freedom and hope. You brought light to our darkness. You set the path for our feet. You wiped our tears of pain and you relieved our broken hearts. Your labor and dedication of love is not in vain, but will be honored by our chief in command. We appreciate you all for coming to our land, the land of color and culture, or the land of the unexpected, and the land of a million journeys, Papua New Guinea. You see, folks, we have a potential when we do what God wants us to do. His word will have an effect. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we finish this service. Thank you for the way these people.